0: to the Lowenstein Sandler podcast series. I'm Kevin Iredell, Chief Marketing Officer at Lowenstein Sandler. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast series at slash podcast or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Now let's take a listen.
1: Welcome to Don't Take No for an Answer. I'm your host, Linda Bennett, Chair of the Insurance Recovery Practice at Lowenstein Sandler. And today, I'm very pleased to have with me my co-host and partner, Eric Jesse, also of the Insurance Recovery Group at Lowenstein sailor So good to see you again, Eric.
2: You too, Linda. Glad to be here.
1: So we're picking up a discussion, actually, that we had last time when we were fortunate enough to visit with our partner, Marita Mackinen to discuss the current state of play in the M&A and private equity space and deal flow. And at this point, it's been a few months since we released our report addressing whether buyers are still getting paid under the rep and warranty policies that are put in place at the conclusion of the deal process. So I want to start off, Eric, because you recently attended a conference where stakeholders involved in this type of deal flow activity gathered. So what was the buzz associated with the results of our survey?
2: Yeah, so I attended a conference where there were industry players in the reps and warranty insurance market. So it was insurers, brokers, insurers, counsel, accounting experts were there. And I was called in a friendly way, a pot stirrer. Right? We raised the concern in our report with data about insurers. So it was the people in the room that R&W insurance may be forgetting its way or forgetting its roots in commerciality and, and, and speedy resolution of claims. So that was our our report and the call to action that we had, and the report was referenced at the very beginning of the panel discussion on claims handling, noting some of the report's findings, particularly that claim resolutions take years, according to our respondents, and you know other things we highlighted in our report made its way into panel discussions, like the time frame to get a coverage position letter, the importance of knowing your customer in many cases, PE firms, so. It seemed to be read and recognized, which was good to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very proud of the results of our report and the thought leadership we've provided there. Just to level set for our listeners, Eric, why don't you just touch on some of the highlights of what the message of the report really was?
2: It really was a call to action that reps and warranty insurers should not get entrenched and difficult on claims. They can't forget that reps and warranty insurance, when it really was becoming popular, you know, probably about 10 years ago, was born out of the M&A market. Let's make a deal. Commerciality And, and reps and warranty insurance is and was at its best when that commerciality translated over to the claim side.
1: I think it's interesting in our report that readers of that report are really focusing on two interrelated issues. And you mentioned it at the top. And the first one is that promise that's in the policy that you'll get a very swift coverage determination from the carrier. I mean, sometimes these policies will specify as little or suggest that as in as little as 60 days, you'll have a determination as to whether this claim is going to be covered or not. So that's one issue. And then the other thing our report showed is the growing dissatisfaction of certain stakeholders in the market because that promise isn't being delivered upon. Let's talk a little bit about how we can rebalance the harmony among all of the stakeholders in this M&A and rep and warranty space.
2: I think one of the key themes of our report was knowing your customer, right? In many cases, it is a PE firm or corporate development representatives at a strategic buyer who move quickly on deals. They're able to close deals in a matter of months, and so they can understand why an R&W claim takes years. And so what I did hear at that Reps and Warranty Insurance Conference was that message being conveyed by panelists, the know your your customer component. The other problem that you allude to with these expectations that you're going to get a coverage position in 60 days, right? The insurers are are over-promising and under-delivering, both in terms of the words on the policy and then the buyer's expectations and understanding about how RW insurance is supposed to work. So, when we talk about rebalancing the expectations, I mean, in terms of the 60 day expectation, right? That policy language needs to be revised where the parties will communicate, collaborate, use their best efforts to set deadlines so that the right deadline is set for a financial statement breach claim that might take a year to investigate. There needs to be a timetable to get reasonable information requests to the insured.
1: Let me interject there because we do like to keep it real on don't take no for an answer here. And so a true policyholder advocate, of course, loves to see that 60-day promise. And the buyers of this product like to see that 60-day promise on a coverage determination in their policy. And I do have some reluctance in saying, just take it out because the carriers do need to be kept on a timetable as well. What we are really striving for is be far more upfront about what that reasonable timetable is. You and I have worked on a number of these deals and, you know, we have to guide our clients too, to make them realize there's no way when you've got a multi-million dollar and sometimes potentially billion dollar claim that's being submitted, there's no way that a coverage determination can be made in 60 days. And so we have to strike that right balance somewhere in between having the policy remain silent, because you and I have seen that movie before, where the carriers then can't be kept on task to say, hey, keep this process moving along, versus putting out a patently unrealistic timetable of 60 days, because the level of information, damages documentation, And all of the diligence that was done leading up to this deal doesn't facilitate an answer in 60 days. So last time, Marita gave us some really interesting insights on current deal flow, and she provided some predictions on where things are headed. So now I want you to take some of those concepts and through the insurance lens, what do you make of her predictions and observations? And particularly let's start with the fact that Marita noted there is going to be more careful diligence going forward from where we were back over the last two, three years.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's certainly going to translate onto the underwriting of the reps and warranty policies in part just because of the increase in claim frequency and severity that's being seen. So as insurers start to see a lot of claims in a particular area, you're going to see them focus on diligence areas. So one of the things r and w insurers like to say is that they help to better the due diligence process because of their underwriting, so we can expect them to be expecting that that height of underwriting or due diligence as well
1: well, and again, i'm going to go back to my concept of rebalancing expectations because on the one hand, our clients, the stakeholders who are acquiring these business speed time kills all deals we've heard that one before many times, but I think Our report certainly shows there is a consequence to the speed and maybe taking a breath and doing just a little bit more diligence can avoid, as Marita said, they want to make sure they're getting what they're paying for. Taking those couple of additional extra steps on the diligence will not only help them in the deal flow on the front end, but also will avoid potentially having to access the rep and warranty policy that they've put in place. So again, it is sort of striking that right balance. And as you said, certainly the insurers are going to want to slow this process down because they're seeing the consequence of things moving as quickly as they had over the last couple of years. One of the other things that Marita talked to us about last time as a trend that she's seeing in her space is a bit more diligence around compliance and really recognizing the globalization of business today. And so through your insurance lens or through our collective insurance lens, what's going to come out of that on the rep and warranty insurance side?
2: I think that's something that the carriers are already concerned about in terms of any target that has any any relationship with russia or ukraine right there's an automatic exclusion that that's going to be added regardless of the issue regardless of whether the target owned a, a russian subsidiary 10 years ago that's going to exist and then this is something you know the carriers are always asking these questions about foreign operations or foreign relationships so that's always coming up and you know if the target is purely domestic then it's not an issue but when it's not then the carriers are going to expect that global trade diligence is conducted and in many cases foreign diligence is is, is ongoing.
1: Yeah, I mean what company is purely domestic anymore? <laughs> Anybody that has a website isn't domestic anymore, right? So, one of the other things that Marita talked about last time that's another topic that's near and dear to us, not only for reps and warranty, but for cyber insurance as well, is the ever-increasing need to have greater focus and attention and diligence around um, data and data security and privacy. What do you think the rep and warranty insurers are gonna do on the underwriting side of that? Are we through the deal activity that you've already been involved in, in placing policies for the first half of 2023? Are you seeing more exclusions, different wordings to these exclusions around the data privacy and cyber issues?
2: Yeah, on that issue, what we often are seeing, I mean, sometimes it might be just an upfront exclusion that you learn about at the proposal stage. And when that happens, what we try to see and where we're able to land just realistically is that. The RW insurer will sit excess of a, a cyber insurance policy. That seems to be the market standard that we're able to get. And that's how we try and avoid the, the broad-based exclusion.
1: Well, one thing I've been thinking about in that space or on that issue is this may have pricing blowback, right? Because we know that on the cyber insurance market side, the scope of coverage that cyber insurers are willing to provide seems to be getting tighter and getting diminished. And so you know one of the things we've got to keep our eye on with the rep and warranty insurers is, are we going to start to see premiums creep up when the rep and warranty insurer understands they're going to be closer to being sitting in the first position on those claims because the coverage just simply isn't available from the acquired company?
2: No, I think that that's a possibility. I think what i see impacting pricing more is just the broader market conditions if there's really demand for the policy but i think that can be a factor for sure
1: so that's one of the things i want to sort of hone in on before we wrap up today and i think we posed the question to Marita last time and now i'm going to let you and and i weigh in on it is this rep and warranty policy built to last you know you started today's episode by talking about the fact that you were identified a little bit as a pot or maybe a naysayer that this coverage is going to go away. And Marita assured us that our, uh, our livelihood remains intact. This product will be around. But you had some insightful comments to share in our report about how we need to move this product forward in a productive way so that all stakeholders see value in, in keeping it as part of the deal process.
2: Yeah, it was it was very good to hear Marita talk about reps and warranty insurance remaining an important part of the deal flow. And that's, that's really the goal of our report is to make sure it continues that way. I mean, we note that, yes, the claim process has become a little bit more difficult since our 2020 report in, in terms of claim payments or negotiating claim payments. But claims are still getting paid, so this is a good thing. But what we want to avoid is... You know, we want Marita to be able to be making those comments years from now about R&W insurance remaining an important part of the deal. And I think what we've seen is, you know, as claim activity has increased significantly, there's bumps in the road because all of a sudden the carriers are experiencing these claims. And just not sure about how to to properly manage that process and manage the expectations. So hopefully there's going to be a course correction. And look, what I heard from people at the conference was recognizing the importance of communication and expectation setting. So we haven't really seen that in recent years, but hopefully we're going to see that going forward.
1: Right, exactly. You know, to smooth out those bumps, you said it very well, to smooth out those bumps we really need to have greater communication and management of expectations on both sides as to what is reasonable, striking that right balance of what is reasonable to request and expect to then get to that commercial negotiation table to resolve claims that come up when these policies are sold. Well, I think we've kind of covered it for today, Eric. Do you have anything else to add?
2: No, I think we're good.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to having you come back and have a listen for our next episode. Of course. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast series at lowensteincom podcast or find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts and SoundCloud. Lowenstein Sandler podcast series is presented by Lowenstein Sandler and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. The information provided is intended for a general audience and is not legal advice or a substitute for the advice of counsel. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. The content reflects the personal views and opinions of the participants. No attorney-client relationship is being created by this podcast and all rights are reserved.